Good morning. There's a program into which you can put on, on your computers, you can put uh, chapters or whole books. And it will produce what is called a word cloud. Uh, many of you probably know what these are. And the word cloud will reveal the most used and therefore, in some sense, the most important words of the document. I'm not saying I've never done this to see if certain authors emphasize the right topics or not. Any word cloud about Lent will have the word fasting as the largest word in the middle. Somewhere near it will uh, be the word cheese, but I will discuss this in a few minutes. We are in a season of Lent, a Lent kind of fasting. Fasting in the Bible is connected to grieving. So in a Bible-based word cloud about Lent, grieving will appear next to fasting. I know I prefer joy over grief. Lent is not Christmas. It's more like Advent. Lent is not Easter. It's more like Maundy Thursday or Good Friday. Lent is about fasting and grieving. Friday, Chris and I traveled to St. Charles to a courthouse, uh, and we sat there for about three hours to support a family whose nine-year-old child was sexually abused by a lay catechist in one of the churches associated with Wheaton's most popular Anglican church, so in our circle of churches. The scene in the courtroom was surreal. It was the hearing of a sentencing of a man who had abused a child, who had preyed upon girls in a church. One of the surreal moments for me was when the lawyer defending the man made the point that children lie. I would have been fired for saying that in my, in one, in my school, but it was the lawyer's responsibility. The child's mother then articulated in a victim impacts testimony something about her child and something about herself. I was asked by a team of advocates that Chris is especially connected to, to wear my collar, to express support of victims by people connected to the church establishment. So I did, and another priest wore his collar. We were seeking to make a statement in support of victims. What jarred me over and over uh, in wearing a collar in this courtroom was that this was someone connected to the church establishment who had preyed upon a little girl who was nine years old. Surreal. But the mood of the advocates in this room was unquestionably grievous and it was lamenting. That was the mood of the advocates. The joy, as it were, of potential imprisonment was overcome by grief and lamenting. The mood for us in that courtroom was Lenten. That's what Lenten is. 
Our gospel reading today is about the temptation of Jesus, which begins, as you know, with fasting. And Amanda read this perfectly. He fasted for 40 days and afterwards was hungry. Yeah, you bet he was hungry. Uh, fasting in the Jewish world, however, was not no food, no water for 40 days. It was no food, no water until the evening. Fasting in the Bible is, about, is not about doing something, fasting, from something, in order to get something you prefer, even if that's improvement in your relationship with God. Fasting in the Bible is all about grief over the prospect of death. Lent, fasting, grief, and the temptation of Jesus, therefore, belong together. The wilderness experience of Jesus is, in fact, a time of testing, of preparation, of Jesus being prepared to be the Messiah for the people of Israel and to enter into the land. But as such, Jesus is grieving and lamenting over the people of Israel and its condition because it needs a Messiah like him. But I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit by going there already, and I want to back up just a bit. Lent is a time of wilderness, of grieving and fasting and lamenting. And I want to ask the question today, what do we learn from the temptation of Jesus as we enter into Lent. The first thing we learn in this text is that Satan knows who Jesus is. This is a cosmic battle in the pages of the Bible. This is Tolkien kind of stuff. Big images. It's the battle between the spirit and Satan. The three temptations of Jesus are spirit-prompted. The three temptations of Jesus are Satan instigated. God is at work in this cosmic battle. It's the Bible's biggest showdown. Spirit prompted versus Satan instigated. Jesus is in the middle of this battle. The story is set, the tension is created, and the observers and readers of the text are waiting to see how the story will unfold. Now, we're cheaters. We know how this story un unfolds. But we have to project ourselves into the text to hear the story as it actually occurs. The question will be, will Jesus fail as Adam and Eve did? Part of the text that we read this morning. As all other humans have done, Romans chapter 5 was read as well. Or will he remain obedient as God's son? Jesus knows that he is the Son of God. The Father has just said so in the baptism. So the devil tests Jesus' sonhood. He knows Jesus is appointed to be God's royal and kingly son. The devil knows that Jesus is the future ruler of the world. He knows who Jesus is, what Jesus' mission is, and his aim is to subvert Jesus. Cleverly, the devil wants Jesus to listen to the Father's word at the baptism. You are my son. To believe it and to jump from the baptism to New Jerusalem and the kingdom of God. 
to ignore the cross and the resurrection. That is the devil's temptation for Jesus. Without the wilderness, without the wilderness of lament and grief and fasting. As Mother Amanda said last week, and I wanted to call her rector, because I'd probably be the first one to get to say that. We need a full Jesus. That's what she said last week. The devil wants a partial Jesus, a baptized Jesus who jumps to New Jerusalem. But he knows who's on the stage in this drama, and the devil doesn't like the full Jesus who is there in the wilderness waiting to obey the Father. Ruling the world is the mission of Jesus. But Jesus is called to, to gain and acquire that throne in God's way alone. He must defeat death, and he will not defeat death by dallying with the devil in the wilderness. Jesus will deal death to death and the devil. He must go through the wilderness all the way to the cross. No wonder he fasted. He knew what was ahead of him. Ruling, of course, is a human temptation. The ultimate rule is for God. But the rule in politics is one of ours deepest temptations. If I could change the world, Eric Clapton crooned, that can become a temptation when you're a politician, when you have power in situations. One has to wonder if the more mesmerized we are with politics in our world and power, the less mesmerized we will be with the full Jesus who seemed to deal death to certain kinds of power. The Jesus of the wilderness is the Jesus of the cross and the Jesus of the resurrection. Lent is for getting ourselves aligned with the Jesus that even the devil knew. But the temptation story is not really about us. It's about Jesus. And I often tell my students in seminary classes that those who see themselves in the temptation narrative of Jesus, who think they're tempted to rule the world and jump off temples and turn stones into bread, need to see a therapist for charges of narcissism. It is tempting to speak of our temptations, and we can learn from what Jesus does here, but this is all about Jesus. And so I want to talk about Jesus today. It's like thinking during Lent that we can appeal to one of these individual tests during Lent when we want chocolate or we want to resume our morning coffee or to have a glass of beer or wine or if you're the sort to drink it out of a can or a carton or to look at Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Some people call these fasting. I happen to know that it is reckless to fast from chocolate or coffee. Or in the case of one man with the initials Father Bill Richardson, to fast from cheese. Is that correct? 
Don't say those, don't say those things in front of preachers. It is a temptation during Lent to turn this story into something about us, but it's not about us. This is about the royal son of God, and that's not who we are. We can learn from this, but fundamentally, it's about Jesus. The devil knew he was. Jesus was the son of God. And the second thing I would like to observe is Jesus knew where he was, and it matters. By God's spirit-empowered guidance, it says Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And if you've been to this wilderness, you know that this is really a wilderness. It is not a place you want to be very long between Jerusalem and the Jordan River. Bible readers can recognize what wilderness means in the Bible. It is the place where Israel was tested in their journey from Egypt to the promised land. It was a place that evoked in memory lament and grief and the liminal experience of being between places, between Egypt and the promised land. Church of the Redeemer knows such a liminal experience even now. The meaning of the temptation of Jesus opens up dramatically in the Gospel of Matthew when we begin to ponder the Bible verses Jesus quotes to the devil as the devil tempts him as God's son. He quotes probably from a book that you haven't read in a while, Deuteronomy. So if I tell you that the chapters that he quotes from, Deuteronomy 6, verse 6, 13, 16, and chapter 8, verse 3, in reverse order, um, the devil, I don't know, was doing one thing and Jesus was doing something else in uh, being orderly. But if I tell you that these are the texts that are all about Israel's wilderness experience, you realize that Satan sees Jesus as the Son of God called to re-experience Israel's time in the wilderness, and Jesus knew what his responsibility was in that very moment to be unlike that Israel, so that he could enter the land, unlike Moses, and cross that river and reestablish the people of Israel with 12 apostles. This stuff doesn't happen accidentally in the Bible. It's dramatic. Each text is from the wilderness experience, then, of Israel, a period after the Exodus, and before the entry. And we need to connect this experience with Jesus' own experience. He's been baptized, which is his exodus, and he's about to enter back into the land to launch the kingdom mission for Israel and to call Israel to repent and turn toward the kingdom. Three times the devil tempts Jesus, the fasting Jesus, and each time Jesus quotes from that passage in Deuteronomy. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do not put the Lord your God to the test and worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus quotes right back to the devil. And noticeably, Jesus fasts for 40 days. Bible readers know what 40 means. It is connected to the wilderness experience as well. Jesus endures, according to this text then, 
in 40 days what Israel experienced in 40 years. Jesus obeyed for 40 days as Israel disobeyed for 40 years. Jesus knows who he is, Son of God, but now he becomes the second Israel. He becomes a second wilderness experience, and he is prepared for a second entry into the land. He is in the wilderness lamenting the condition of his people as its Messiah and being prepared to take them to the promised land, which Jesus calls the kingdom of God. Lent is about aligning ourselves with this Jesus of this wilderness. Lent is a wilderness. Lent is a wilderness as Lent. Wilderness is about lament and grief and fasting. The third observation I'd like you to make is Jesus knows what to do. He knows who he is, the Son of God, and he knows where he is in the wilderness, and he knows what to do. Do what God says to do. Pretty simple. This narrative has one major theme. Jesus wins the battle in the wilderness by doing the right thing at the right time. Unlike Adam, unlike Israel in the wilderness, unlike Moses, unlike David, unlike the kings and the kingdoms, Jesus obeys simply and purely. Jesus does the will of God in the wilderness as the Son of God. From the temptation on in the life of Jesus, we learn nothing but footnotes on the battle in the wilderness. As the devil got Jesus, uh, got Jesus into the corners of temptation in the wilderness, so the devil takes Jesus to the cross. And just as Jesus said no, no, no to the devil in the wilderness, he said no to the devil on the cross, and that's why we have Easter. On Easter, Jesus gains the ultimate victory over the devil. The brass needs to blast away. I don't think we have the brass, do we? The drums need to sound their beat, which is not very Anglican to have too many drums. Sopranos need to kick into Celine Dion gear, and we have that. <laughs> this is the day the battle of the wilderness found a winner. Jesus gains victory over the devil. The narrative ends. I love it. The devil left him. I got to think the devil said, damn. <laughs> the devil may have muttered it, but we can be sure the devil had no scruples over using terms that some of us now are irritated that I used. Okay? <laughs> I'm old enough, okay? The devil will do his best to penetrate the inner circle of the apostles, and he will gain a foothold one day with Peter. And the foot of the Messiah has now been lifted and is prepared to stomp on the serpent's head and utterly crush it. That's what we see in the wilderness, the Lenten wilderness of Jesus. Lent is about the Jesus who obeys.
who learned lament in the wilderness simply to obey God. Finally, we know who we are, and we know where we are and what to do because we know this full picture of Jesus. Lent, for us, is about entering into the wilderness with Jesus. It is about joining him in his grief and lament and fasting. It is about our complicities in our own country's systemic sins. We have complicity in racism in the United States. Racism, in spite of the gains of the last century, isn't likely to go away anytime soon. Gallup did a poll with these numbers. 11% of Catholics and non-evangelical Christians objected to having black neighbors. Now don't start pointing your fingers at Catholics. That number rises with other groups. Mainline Protestants rated at 16%, Baptists and Evangelicals at 17%, and Southern Baptists, I guess, is a new group, are at 20%. We need to lament the racism of Christians who don't even want to be in the neighborhood with our African-American citizens. There is complicity in crimes. Our state of Illinois has way too many crimes. Major crimes in 2018 were 56,000. In 2021, 47,000. In 2022, 67,000 crimes in the state of Illinois. That's not going in the right direction. Theft is driving the overall increase in crime. Car theft is up 114% since 2018. Just last year, motor vehicle theft increased by 102%. Over these, we can lament this Lent. Over these, we enter into the wilderness with Jesus, grieving and fasting and praying for the Lord to prepare us to become agents of justice in the matters of race and agents of goodness in the matters of crime. When we turn to the table today, we enter into Lent's deepest truth. When we eat and drink, we embrace the Jesus of the wilderness on our way to the kingdom of God. In that wilderness, we lament with Jesus, but Jesus is with us. Lent is Eucharist. Eucharist is Lent. Lent is lament over this world's conditions. Thank you.